episode three of Inside TBT. Wow, we are just rolling through these already on episode three. We got a very, very cool episode for you guys today. We got a player perspective and we got an analyst perspective. John Elmore, former Marshall player, now on team Heard That, joins the show, as well as ESPN college basketball and TBT analyst Seth Greenberg. Two really great interviews on Inside TBT, and it's all presented by Germless Masks. They just hooked us up with a lot of masks. So you need to head on over to germlessmasks.com and get your own masks. They have any style that you may need. They got the N65 mask, which, you know, it's a little more breathable and better if you want to protect yourself, but still be able to go around, talk, engage with people, stuff like that. But if you really want to protect yourself, then you got to get the N170 respirator mask. Tons of options to choose from. And all of their masks have embroidery options. If you want to get your mom something, your sister, your dad, whoever, they have 3,000 different options. And I'm going to show you this right now. We got TBT masks. That's right. They hooked us up. Go on over to their Instagram. Joey, what's their Instagram? At Germless Masks, baby. I can say it so darn well now. Germless Masks. What do they show they got, on there? They got, yeah. they got everything on there. You want, you want a red mask? Get yourself a red mask. You want a blue mask? Get yourself a blue mask. But if you're a little bit of a hype beast, maybe you want a Travis Scott mask. You know, if you're a huge basketball fan, which I'm assuming you are if you listen to the podcast, get yourself a Kobe mask. They got all different types of masks. Um, you can find them all at Germless Masks. And uh, there are some high-quality masks. Like Andrew said, we have them now. And I used to wear, like, a sleeve, like a ski mask type thing over my face to go Never again. Golf, Never to go again. golf courses to pay. Never again. They hooked us up with two good of ones to pass up on. And that was our three-minute ad read for Germless Masks. <laughs> go to germlessmasks.com. But now – we got to talk a little bit about TBT, and I don't know if you guys know this, but we're I'm, I'm joined here, Joey Lade. He's he's starting to get a new name around TBT. Some some rumors floating around that uh he might be the guy behind the scenes pulling a lot of strings, and he's Mr. Sources. Yeah, I'm just here to confirm the rumors that I am the Woj of the TBT. Dropping what some people are calling me the Shams. Like, okay, like that's fine, but I've officially become the Woj of the TBT. I know things, and Andrew does too, that you guys do not know. And let me tell you, I'm not allowed to tweet them, which is fine. I won't. But you're going to love them. I mean, I just tweeted out something. You're listening to this tomorrow when we're recording, which is today now. But I tweeted out to expect the unexpected, and that is so unbelievably true. That's about all I can say. But just know that the rosters are pretty darn elite right now. With the TBT being 24 teams instead of 64, you knew you were getting the cream of the crop, the best of the best. But just know, if you didn't think those rosters could get better, oh, boy, they got better. Just expect the unexpected. That's what I will say. Speaking of expect the unexpected, a bunch of roster moves have happened since we last spoke to you all. And I think, I think it's warranted that we talk about them. First and foremost, our guy Fletcher McGee, his green light – had him going all the way from Florida TNT to war Tampa as he joins the Tampa and Auburn guys. It was, and a, quick, guy, it was a quick ride with all those green lights over there, let me tell you. It was similar to 
no gel Easterns, Purdue <laughs> to Michigan transition that uh, you'll hear Seth Greenberg talk about. But Fletcher McGee is now on War Tampa, and between him and Bryce Brown, John Deeb was going to have his money cut out for him as being the best shooter in this tournament, and so is John Elmore. I was going to say. Some darn, we got some darn good shooters in the TBT, and two of them are on War Tampa. People are saying, like, they're some of the best shooters in the world in the TBT, first of all. But the, who, the real question is, who has the better shooting backcourt? Is it the Marshall boys or is it War Tampa? Well, how about, we, how about House of Pain also adding uh, Mooney? I mean, that's very elite. But who is the other backcourt guy that's going to give you a run for their money shooting-wise? Well, I was I mean, just talking about good great, shooters. <laughs> that's, it's another great addition. Don't get me wrong. Matt Mooney, I mean, Illinois guy. I grew up playing with his brother. But – um, he actually knocked me out of the state playoffs my senior year, but that's a whole nother story. Um, I, th I, I think the coolest thing about Auburn and the herd, those two teams, you know, obviously the herd didn't have a gigantic addition like, like war Tampa has, but they are going to shoot so many threes. I mean, it's just insane. Why would they not? They got some of the best shooters on the planet. I think it will be fun to, we talk about this with John Elmore, not to spoil too much, but it'll be fun to look at how those teams go about the Elam ending because if they shoot a two, they might as well just be disqualified. Well, what's interesting is what we're starting to see is if you want to win these tournaments, if you want to win TBT this year with, with all the different things that are going on, you're going to have to go outside of your comfort zone, and you might need to grab a guy that's not typically under your team umbrella. Exactly. For example – Joe Johnson, overseas elite. He's not overseas elite. He is NBA elite. Yeah. He's not overseas elite. It doesn't make sense that an NBA all-star, you know, is, is on overseas elite when everything overseas elite stands for is being the best of the best from overseas. But, hey. But I we mean, love it. We love it. We're we excited. I mean, <laughs> that, that, team, that team is absolutely stacked, okay? Yeah. DJ Kennedy, DeAndre Kane, Justin Burrell. All right, Joe Johnson, and a whole lot more of elite overseers, okay, overseas. that, are, <laughs> that are coming back to America to win. Yeah, I, it, it's unbelievable. I'm, I, I just have all these things running in my head. I just looked at my phone, which I'm, I don't usually do during while we're recording, but Andrew just texted me. Andrew Doggins just texted me. Hey, you guys, more updates. Wow. It's just unbelievable. This, wow. The TBT is going to be maybe okay. Like, let's get. I'm gonna go. Duh, duh, duh. I'm gonna get serious for a second. Okay, the TBT is it the same level of competition as the NBA in terms of individuals? No, it's not. And anyone who thinks that is foolish. But what it does have that the NBA does not have the same amount of is this insane storyline: teams changing, players leaving, joining up with each other. Like, well, the NBA kind of has that, but they can't do it weeks apart from each other it's just insanity when you think something as you when you think a team is finalized they come out the next day with the, with the best player that they have on their team now it's just yep. it's so cool and I, I mean like we should talk about Matt Mooney because speaking of NBA guys he's an NBA guy he's a two-way player who played with the Cavs this year I mean that takes an already good house of pain team to another level because as we talk about with Seth Greenberg guards are what win win in tournaments in general but specifically in the tbt i i'm so excited and you know the official dates are not out there yet location all that stuff but 
I'm, I'm just so excited from the stuff we know, the stuff we're going to find out, the stuff that is starting to circulate. It, it is going to be such an exciting tournament, and basketball is going to be back this summer. And there are NBA guys in this. It, it's crazy. Oh, cool. There are NBA guys in it. There are former college players you know. There are overseas players that are incredible with incredible careers. And then, really, for the first time, not, not ever, but – in full fashion, we're seeing guys that can't that, that can play this year instead of other years because the NBA draft is going to be in October. So you got the Wessons who probably wouldn't have played in this. You got Ryan Mikesell who probably wouldn't have played in it. You know, he told us that he wants to try to play in the NBA if 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 definitely not playing in the NBA. So it's just so do I. I would like to try and play the oh, but, but the opportunities this year, it's just there's a lot of really cool stories and teams, and, and you said it best. And a perfect example of that is, is heard that with John Elmore, who we have on right after this. You know, they have their Marshall guys, but then they added Zach Smith from Texas Tech, and they're going to probably be a way better team because they have him. It's, it's, there's no doubt about it that in order to be the best version of a team that you can be in the TBT, you can't stay within your bubble. It's right. literally every single team showcases that. Carmen's crew has um, Dimitri McKamey from Illinois, um, who was a huge part of them winning last year. Um, the Big Ten team, their big man, one of their big men is from Yale. He's not, he's not from the Big Ten. Um, you said Marshall. It's a great example. War Tampa started out as not an Auburn team, and slowly they became an Auburn team. So that's like the reverse of it all. I mean, it's just – it's it's really cool to see, um, like, I mean, Illinois has Matt Mooney. Did he go to Illinois? No, he did not. But is he from Illinois? Yeah. So there are connections within connections, like the TBT, only the TBT can do. So it's just, just – I mean, I just – just got so excited in the last like 45 minutes like it was like I drank a coffee before this that's how I, I just injected into my veins just injected yeah. into my veins yeah and it, it seems <laughs> like it seems like everything can kind of be connected like you can make a connection to everyone on every team like you can be like yeah well, I played AAU with that guy so you know what it's fine Joe Johnson he's elite that's his connection to overseas elite there you go that's all you need if, if you're he's a professional basketball player he makes a lot of money and he's really really damn good that's enough to be on overseas elite yep and you know by the time episode four comes out on thursday i'm sure we're gonna have a lot more you know news to talk about no but, doubt about it but in the meantime we have two really awesome interviews on deck with john elmore and seth greenberg we don't want to waste any more time we want to get to those interviews so, Joey, if you don't have anything else, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. John Elmore. All right, we now welcome on to Inside TBT, former Marshall player and member of Heard That TBT, John Elmore. John, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm fired up. We are fired up to have you as well. You look a little sweaty. Can I Dude, guess? Just, <laughs> just got back from a hoop session, man. That's is, it good safe, to, is it safe to say that there's a lot of people in the same boat as you in terms of they're just getting back into it, and, and whether that's because they were hanging out or because now fi stuff's finally opening up or what? I think uh, with everything opening back up and um, 
you just have to take advantage of it. Um, everything's been closed. You got to get in the gym. You got to do condition, conditioning on your own. So I think we're all kind of in the same boat, trying to get back into it and get back into shape as fast as possible. You guys, you know, there's a lot of teams that have this, but this is not heard that first year in terms of guys that are playing you know the team looks a little different though can we kind of get a little bit of the backstory of heard that and how this team with these specific players came to be yeah so we um we played in the tbt last year and it was kind of based off our aau team and some of our college teammates so that's why we were the west virginia wildcats but as we started um forming the roster this year we just more and more Marshall guys kept joining and guys that we were close with, some of our teammates, some of our brothers, stuff like that. And uh, so I think we have five or six Marshall guys. So that's kind of where we turned it towards an alumni team. And, um, you know, as a mid-major, you don't always have a ton of guys that are still playing. So we kind of had to dig outside the box a little bit. We added a couple bigs um, from other schools. We got Zach Smith from Texas Tech, Ryan Luther, who played at Pittsburgh, and then Arizona. And then Chris Coakley, who was all-conference in Conference USA. So we played against him. So guys we've gotten to know from playing the AAU circuit, playing college circuit, and then some of these guys we've ran into playing professionally. So we formed those relationships, and we just kind of went with it. For, for the TBT audience that doesn't know, um, the coach of, of Marshall, Coach D'Antoni, plays a frenetic style of basketball where there are lots of shots, and if you don't shoot an open three, you're probably getting pulled out. Better, more, better shoot a contested three at the beginning of the shot clock than a wide-open layup at the end. Um, is it safe to expect that type of basketball to be played for you guys during the TBT? No question. No question. Um, if you don't see us shooting early in the shot clock, like something's going on. We'll probably have an internal problems because we want to get up and down. We want to score a hundred points. We want to set the TBT scoring record uh, to be honest. So, uh, you know, the D'Antoni style, everybody's is a little bit of defense, but we're going to try to play a little bit of defense, but we're really going to focus on the offensive end and see what we can do. Defense, Speaking, is, for, defense are, are, is for guys that can't play offense anyway. So right. right. Whoever scores the most points wins, right? Exactly. And speaking kind of of scoring records, we're actually talking to the all-time leading scorer in the history of Conference USA. So how much, how much can we expect you to score an average game this summer? I'm telling my teammates to give me the ball, man. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I've always been a guy that just tries to make the right play, whether that's taking the open shot or setting teammates up. So – uh, if it's there, if my step back's there, if the deep three's there, I I'm not going to hesitate. So what's your, what's your light looking like? Kind of green, light green, dark green? How green's your green light? Neon green. Bright green, bright green. I mean, I'm not going to say I'm hunting shots, but I'm going to be aggressive. <laughs> I mean, you're hunting shots. Don't – I mean, you yeah, don't have to you lie got, on here. Right, I mean, right. if you Between were hunting us, shots, you'd, that'd be doing a disservice to your team, right? That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Na national television, I, I, I got to get some up. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, we talked about this off, um, off of, off before we were recording, but talk a little bit about your transition um, from VMI, where honestly it's a similar brand of basketball, right? I mean, but mm -hmm. coming over to, to Marshall, was it kind of a dream come true to be in D'Antoni's system? Dude, it was. So I hadn't 
I had never met Coach D'Antoni. He was from West Virginia. I'm from West Virginia. And you, you know the D'Antoni name is just legendary. So um, when I transferred to Marshall, I had never talked to him. So I, we set up a meeting. I met him the first day I enrolled in the school there. I met with him at like 8.30 in the morning in his office. And he was like, tell me about yourself, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, look, Coach, I'd love to play for you. And he was like, well, here's a jersey. We'll see what you got practices at 2.30. So had never had any prior conversations <laughs> to him. I get in practice and we're practicing like threes from a step inside half court. Um, I had never played so fast and never free. I mean, you know, you try to play with a little structure, but he's just like, go, go, go. Ultimate green light. So having him as a coach, I mean, you see the guys in the NBA, the numbers they put up playing for his brother. I mean, and just you, you love playing for a coach that believes in you and instills that type of confidence in you. I think it makes you play better. So I was really blessed to have him and play in that system for my four years. Was that a, was it a difficult transition for you to go from a system like that, that really is get you as many shots as you want to the system that you're playing overseas and any other system you've played before? <laughs> um, transitioning from the D'Antoni system to playing overseas was a nightmare um, because <laughs> I was the guy that as a freshman, he essentially said, here's the ball, here's the keys, you're driving. So, I mean, I'd go to him in timeouts and I'd be like, coach, man, like we're getting killed. What do you want to run? Or like, we're really struggling. He'd be like, John, whatever you call, I'm with it, man. I got your back. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, let's do it. And then you get overseas, you get overseas and you're running like a lot of sets. You're running a lot of like slowed down offenses. So, I mean, playing overseas is, it's almost like early 2000s, late 90s basketball, where it's real physical, pound the ball inside, um, real strategical. So I kind of had to take a step back and kind of learn my first year how it, how it went. So um, it was definitely a, a learning process, but, you know, I enjoyed it. Let's talk about our connection, John. And for those who don't know, I am John Elmore because I played John Elmore on scout team my sophomore year when Ohio State played Marshall. Um, he knows this. Andrew knows this. I've never had more fun playing basketball than I did getting the neon green light to shoot from three steps inside half court. Um, did you? Do you know how much fun people have trying to be you? Man, I, I didn't know. Uh, funny story like you're talking about. I transferred to Marshall, and I had to sit out. So um, we got in practice, and coaches, like, we're running all the stuff, and we were just crushing the right, the team that was playing because we had four or five guys that were sitting out. And, I mean, just like you said, playing in that system, playing in the scout team from day one was just a dream come true because you have the ultimate green light. And, uh, man, I was really lucky. And like you said, it's a lot of fun. I got to say that, that the one downfall is that if, if some team figures out how to beat the system, you can end up with a little butt whooping like we put on the, on the Marshall Ooh, Rivers, so. Come on, I, I had come to on. put that in there. The, the truth of the matter is, if I'm playing in the game, you know, the odds are, <laughs> odds are we gave you, gave you some kind of butt whooping or we got our butts whooped. So um, that, was the last, that was the last high moment of the season. So if you, if you want, <laughs> you, kind of, you kind of crushed our spirits in a way because after that game, it was, it was all downhill from there. Well, at least, at least we can help you all out a little bit. Like, <laughs> John, uh, every team – has a secret weapon, you know, in some cases it might be you, but I don't think you're really a secret anymore. Who, who would you say heard that secret weapon is? Man, um, that's a good question. 
I think our secret weapon is kind of our depth as a whole this year. You know, I'm not going to say one individual because um, we've made some really big decisions this year. <laughs> and um, I think our ability to play one through eight or one through ten is really going to stand out because we'll just be running guys in and out. You don't get tired. You don't have to play that many minutes. I mean, I'm going to want to play a lot of minutes. So we're going to have to talk to the coach about that. But um, I think just our ability to have depth this year is going to go a long way, and that's our weapon. I, you mentioned a coach. I have to ask you one more D'Antoni question. Is your coach going to wear um, a T-shirt and a sport coat? Is, is that another thing he's going to – does he have to do that? So, for those that don't know, Coach D'Antoni, uh, I've never seen him wear a tie. He comes out to every college basketball game with a Marshall T-shirt on and a sport coat. So, <laughs> if we can get our coach rocking uh, a sport coat and a T-shirt, I think we're going for it. So you're, that, that's a no-brainer to me. So, obviously, you have a lot of points at Marshall, a lot of points Conference USA. But actually, what you're most famous for is being uh, Ott Elmore's brother. <laughs> and <laughs> and I had a an article sent to me the other day that said, Twitter falls in love with Marshall Sr. rocking a dad bod. <laughs> and that was and that was that was about your brother. Did you ever talk to him about that article? Um, you know, we, we I think we tried to just put that behind us, but <laughs> at the same time, um I mean, he got a lot of publicity off of that. So, I guess um any publicity is good publicity, I guess they say. Um, but you know, I mean, it was just he was in a tough situation. Uh didn't play the most minutes, but he's a guy that brought it every day. Um shoots the hell out of the ball. A guy that we're gonna expect to contribute in the TBT. So dad bot or not, they better have a hand up when he catches the ball. Are you excited to uh get to play with your brother again? I am. I am. We grew he's two years older than me. Um we grew up playing AAU together. Uh I always played the one, the point, and he played the two, the shooting guard. So um just, you know, that family connection. My dad's part of the coaching staff. Um, we played, ended up playing college ball together. Um, he didn't play as much as I did, but still there were games he got in. Um, senior night, we both started together. So that was one of my most memorable moments in my college career. So, you know, just the family connection. I mean, I'm sure you all are close to your family. I'm huge, really close with mine in basketball and just sharing that connection and having the ability to play in the TBT with some of your family. Uh, I mean, those are memories you'll talk about forever. So what do you think we should – what's more, uh, more, more chance of happening? Uh, another five fouls in five minutes for him or five points in five minutes? Five points in five minutes. I think he's settled down a little bit. The aggressiveness is kind of, <laughs> kind of, kind of flatlined. So uh, I expect five points in five minutes out of him this year. And if, if there's five fouls in five minutes, I hope he makes the most of the fouls. So <laughs> – for some reason, this feels just like a rapid-fire interview where we're just throwing off questions and you're answering them. So I want to do something a little different. I want to give you the opportunity to pitch to us and to pitch to the TBT fans across the world why we and they should be heard that fans this summer. You know, I'd say um, why everybody should be heard that fans is because of – just the team and the personnel we have. Um, there's so many backstories. Uh, Stevie Browning, who will be one of the starters on the team, we played college together. Uh, we grew up about an hour apart. We played AAU basketball together. Um, and then we kind of lost touch. Uh, he went to Fairmont State, which is Division II. I went to, I went to VMI. And 
stuff, every, everybody knows crazy stuff happens in life. I ended up transferring to Marshall and it turns out Stevie was transferring to Marshall as well. So we were on scout team together. Uh, we ended up playing two or two years together. Uh, one of my best friends, roommates in college. So, I mean, just those connections, those brotherhood. I mean, you hear Ohio State's guys talk about it all the time, how they, you really are family with a lot of your teammates and you really have those relationships. So just the relationships we have with each other, um, how close the team is, but I'd say the biggest selling point is the style of basketball we're going to play. Like you talk about the D'Antoni system. That's what we want to do. We want to set the record for points. We want to get up and down. We want to throw alley-oops. We want to hit threes from the hash, from half, not half court, but a couple steps inside half court. Um, might as well be half court. <laughs> yeah, might as well be half court. If you, if you can make it, D'Antoni says shoot it. So, um, <laughs> I mean, just that type of basketball is exciting and that brand of basketball is something that I think uh, a lot of people enjoy watching and hopefully we get enough stops and score more points in the defense that we'll be able to advance and maybe win some money let me tell you at home he's not lying uh, I had a front row seat like I said before I had a front row seat for it and I was a part of it and now I am I have been convinced that if 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 Big X calls me, if Carmen Screw calls me and Hurt That calls me, I'm going with Hurt That because I want to chuck from the half court. So you let me know if you need another shooter. I will get my butt in the gym and run suicides until I'm in shape to chuck half quarters for you guys. Dude, you are on the list. If somebody drops out, I'm, I'm calling the number. And be ready to shoot because we are getting them up. Oh, I wake up ready to shoot. I'm brushing my teeth saying pass me the ball. You know that feeling. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, what, what can I do? I want to help. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, we do have some guys that aren't in prime time shape. So, I mean, depending on your shooting percentage and style of play, you might be the right fit. Andrew, tell them a little bit about your, your, your style of play. Well, my style of play goes like this. If the guy is older and slower than me, I'm taking him to the basket. <laughs> but if he's not – I'm shooting threes over him, and you better bet your ass he's scoring on me on the other end. <laughs> so, sounds like I would fit right in with Heard That. I love it, dude, dude. If we get a spot, y'all are both in, man. <laughs> oh, man, that's one way to, to, to butter up the, the inside TVT people, man. You can tell us you got spots that don't exist. I mean, we're, we're there. <laughs> we, might have to put, we might have to put official fan account of Heard That in our, in our Twitter bio now. <laughs> I'm sold. Let's do it. <laughs> so, one of the cool things about TBT is the Elam ending, where, I mean, you know what it is. The people listening know what it is. Joey, we've explained it a thousand times since we started the show, so I'm not going to go over it again. But I think if anyone's going to score all of the points in the Elam ending, it's a guy like yourself. Is that something you would want to try and do this summer? Feed the horse, man. If I'm hot and the game is on the line, I'm welcoming the ball. I want the ball. So, um, like you said, if, in, if we can hit three threes to win the Elam ending going to, what is it, seven or eight? Is it seven? Eight. It's eight. No, eight. it's eight. Dude, we're going to score nine. We're going for three threes <laughs> in a row. So, um, we're gonna have we're gonna try to go for the quickest Elam ending possible, and hopefully we're on the the good side of the Elam ending and not the the losing side. You, I got a strategy for you. You know, you mentioned you want to shoot threes and get it over with quick. I I think for her that there's no doubt that that's the strategy you guys are gonna go. <laughs> when you need three points and you bring up the ball, if they're not pressuring you, 
why not shoot a half court shot? It's a pretty, it's wide open that you, I mean, that's not the lowest percentage shot ever. You know, is that crazy? I like it, dude. I like it. I don't know how that stacks up for all these analytical gurus out there, but like, I, I know where you're coming from. Analytics, <laughs> analytics are off the table, out the door for TBT <laughs> and for the Elam ending. Throw all your analytics away. It is when, when John Elmore is on the court, there's only one analytic you need to see, and that's most points in the history of Conference USA. And further, if you want to simplify it, the real analytic is that three points is more than two points, so why would you ever shoot a two? Preach. Preach, man. I'm, I'm in your corner, man. I'm with you. You're going to be preaching this when you're a coach and your team loses by, like, 50, and you're going to say, well, we got up 100 threes. We just, <laughs> we just didn't get them to go down. You know, next game we're not going to miss all of them, guys. So we're going to bounce back. <laughs> we're playing the percentages. We, you, you, you only, you only miss the shots you don't take. So yeah, I mean, that's when you miss all of them. It, you, exactly. It's, the craziest thing about about this is we're talking to you. We've talked to Fletcher McGee. We've talked to John Diebler. Our the question I got to ask you is: When the TBT has a three point contest, are not only are you going to be in it, but are you going to win it? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not going there to lose if there is a three-point contest. You know, those guys are, I mean, legendary shooters. But, I mean, I, I know where my money is. And, and, they would, and, and you would move the rack back seven feet just to be like, sorry, this is my comfort zone. Oh, yeah. We're not telling the line by any <laughs> if, if there's a fouling competition, I'm taking your brother. <laughs> oh, I know where my money's added on that one as well. Could you imagine – they, they have the, the three-point contest, and then they're like, oh, shoot, that went too fast. We need to fill something up before, uh, before the dunk contest. Let's get, let's get Odd Elmore out here and see how many times he can foul in a minute. I mean, if Fletcher McGee and John Diebler and myself are out there shooting, I think it'll, I think it'll go by pretty quickly. Yeah, they're like, we were expecting more rebounds. There's no rebounds. They're just all going right to the dudes. It's unbelievable. So, on a scale of one to ten – how scared are you to be matched up with Joe Johnson if you have to play overseas elite? Dude, I welcome that matchup. You know, I mean, dude's a legend, NBA vet, um, crazy, phenomenal career. But, I mean, my mentality is you're just going to have to show me. So, uh, I welcome that. Show is, me. Is, is, is that the coolest thing about the TBT to you or one of the coolest things beyond being with your teammates again and being with your brother and family and all the great stuff that comes with that? Is it safe to say that maybe it's a run for the money is getting a chance to play against some of these, you know, high, high-level college, high-level NBA, high-level overseas type players? I, I agree. I think that's the most underrated thing about the whole tournament is how high-level the competition is. I mean, you're playing against NBA veterans. You're playing against guys that have had phenomenal overseas careers. You're playing against guys that are college basketball legends. I mean – you don't get that chance during the summer. I mean, most guys play pickup during the summer, but we're talking about $2 million is what the past person's been. I don't know what it is this year, but you're talking about playing with your boys, playing with your family against some of the best basketball players around on national television. I don't, I don't think most people are doing that during the summer. I know we're not, so. <laughs> <laughs> 
John, something that we uh, we like to do with our guests, and I think you're a pretty good candidate to to do this. And I'm I'm excited to hear what you have to say. We like we like to let our guests ask us a couple of questions. So anything on your mind, we'd be happy to answer. Who wins the TBT this year? Who's your prediction? Oh wow! Ooh. You you, you want to go first, Andrew? Or you want me to go? I'll go first. I'll go first. So so everything is kind of still pending with who's in, who's not in. Right. I I think depending on the bracket, most likely potential final four, I think could be Bayheim's Army, Carmen's Crew, and Overseas Elite. And then I think it's going to be a battle to get that fourth spot, assuming the bracket worked like that. And I think once you get to the final four, anyone can win. But I, I'm taking Bayheim's Army this year if I'm taking only one team. Oh, my, oh my God. They've got a few draft up. picks. Okay. You're going to say that to his face? Oh well, I, I think, I think if, if, they, if Herdak can squeeze in as that fourth team, then they could win. Anything's possible, man. What about you, Joey? Hot God, shot no, over there. You know my answer. Come on. You know my answer. I, no, I have been tried to be unbiased and stuff like Big X – you know, there's two Ohio State teams now, basically. Big X right. is – those are all my teammates, and I love them, and I'm going to root for them so incredibly hard. Harder than I will root for Carmen's crew. But you can't – until until they're dethroned, they're the champion. So, to me, that's how that's how I look at it. Do I have a new favorite team with her that? Without a doubt. I mean, that, and I'm not just saying that because, because we had the Dayton guys on, and, and I didn't say that to them. And we had – we had Fletcher McGee on, and he was on Florida TNT at the time. Now he's on War Tampa. Didn't say that to him. He's, Fletcher McGee's like Bino Udre. He's getting, <laughs> getting traded to all the different teams. The transfer portal is booming right now. <laughs> Yo, actually, Fletcher McGee has to sit out a year. He can't play in this year's <laughs> TBT. <laughs> if we play in Tampa, Fletcher has to, has to take the game off. Yeah, people, people are saying, you know, does the TBT have a transfer problem? That's what people are saying. Where's the loyalty in TBT basketball nowadays? <laughs> so one thing, one thing I will say, John, is, you know, you guys are adding people left and right. Overseas elites adding people. Bayheim's Army adds like a former first-round pick every day. Um, all these teams are adding people. Carmen's crew has, has really only made one major – and major's not – I don't even know if major's the right word. What do you think about – people going outside of their maybe namesake to find people. Cause you guys are doing it. You know, I, I support it. I mean, like you said, there's, where's the loyalty, but at the same time, like <laughs> Marshall, a small school, like we don't have a ton of dudes still playing currently, you know what I'm saying? So certain times you actually, you need to branch out. So, I mean, if you're a Marshall, if you're an alumni based team, I think your core should be mostly those guys. So, but if you add a few, grad transfers here and there i mean i don't i don't think that's too bad did did you guys ever consider the team name we are tbt oh is that trademarked i think you guys <laughs> yeah, might, have, have, might have to about that. you might have to switch to that can we put that on a shirt you Could should that, be that, a that needs to be the warm-up 100 percent, 100 percent. and you, and you need to send a couple our good. way we need to get the TBT on the phone to talk about some We Are TBT warm-ups. Well, who do you think you're talking to? You're on the phone with TBT right now, man. <laughs> We're good. Man, mark, it, mark that off our list. We're good. 
Perfect. Our demands have been met. You got any more questions for us, John? That was too easy. Yeah. Um, how is Carmen's crew going to bounce back? <laughs> oh, geez. Well, bouncing back is one uh, way to is look there at it. Be a drop bouncing off? back from the championship. Is there going to be a drop-off? You know what? If My one criticism, and I've said it to their face, is that they are old. They're old dudes. And the, and a lot of them just had kids this past offseason, too, which is very funny. So they might be, they might be losing some sleep also. So I, I really do think, though, like what they lack in, you know, the old legs that they have maybe. They've played – there's a lot of basketball on the legs, a lot of miles and stuff. They, they say the same thing every time. It's their chemistry kind of that mm-hmm. takes them out of that. And fortunately for them, they're pretty darn deep as well. And if one guy has an off night, then they can't all have an off night, basically, you know. But it is fair to say that, you know, maybe some complacency in terms of they've won it. Like, what else is there to do? But besides that, it's that they're, you know, they're kind of old. Like, I'll be the first guy to tell them that, too. Something interesting. I played against Kraft and Buford this year overseas, and they they looked pretty good to me. (laughs) They didn't look cold. Something, no, like, oh. something that I think is very interesting about this year with, with a shorter amount of teams is if you look at something like the NCAA tournament, if you shrunk the NCAA tournament from 68 or whatever it is now down to 24, you'd see, you'd see a lot more one seeds losing in the first round. So I think there's going to be – like Carmen's crew could potentially now be matched up with a team that they wouldn't have seen until the third round. So I yeah, think there's, there's no gonna... drop off. I don't think right. there's a drop off like you're talking about it. The quality just one through twenty four is gonna be elite. I think anybody through the twenty four has the capability of winning it. Exactly. There's no one that you wanna see in the first round. There's no one you wanna see in the whole tournament. And you definitely don't wanna see her that in the first <laughs> round. Let's go, man. Bro, I'm fired up. Let's go. <laughs> I wish Joey and I could, like, fly to wherever you are right now and just shoot around for a little because that would be fun. Man, I don't know if y'all would win the shoot around, but, like, I'm <laughs> competitive, but, like, I'm sure we'd have a good time. Hey, man, you don't know. I, I know you're a great shooter. I know you got way more points than I have. I know, but in a shooting contest, I don't know. You don't know this, but you're looking at the T-Mobile Metro Media Jam shooting contest champion, Okay. <laughs> Are you throwing accolades out here? Evan? All right, Joey, you can make that plural because because I won the first thing, you won the second thing. You have a trophy? I do not have a trophy. Okay, I have a trophy. I I crawled so you could walk That's in that fine. tournament. I also I will say my real the real stat I'd like to throw out there, and you tell me if this is a, if this is good or not. Well, in the Ohio State three point contest in our little you know we call it Buckeyes on the blacktop. Um, I went 19 for 25 in a three-point contest. That's pretty tell, – tell the people at home that's pretty good. Percentage-wise, that's, that's pretty top-notch. And all the pressure. My God, I'm not even supposed to be there. That's why there was none. It's like, <laughs> hey, man, we're just here to have a good time. <laughs> John, John, this has been absolutely hilarious. Before, before we let you go and we end what might be the greatest interview in the history of sports interviews – Anything else you want to tell us, tell the world, tell the fans about Heard That and TBT this summer? Uh, just be ready, man. We already kind of hit on it a little bit, but just the brand of basketball, the excitement we're going to bring. Um, we might hit a three from half court. We might catch a lob on somebody's head and poster. You know what I'm saying? We've added some – we've added a little more flair to the roster this year. So uh, just keep an eye out for 
heard that or however we're going to um, pronounce that with the emphasis that we were talking about. <laughs> you heard that. You heard that here first. Heard that coming this summer. <laughs> wow. Wow. All right, John. Thank you. Thanks, John. Appreciate it, man. All right, we now welcome on to Inside TBT, former college basketball coach and current analyst for ESPN and TBT genius and aficionado, Seth Greenberg. <laughs> coach, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. And I hope you guys are safe and uh, doing well. Of course. Absolutely. Same to you. We're hanging in there. We see the light at the end of the tunnel that is the, the sports season's coming. Um, and forgive us for calling you coach because once a coach, always a coach in my eyes. So we're going to call you coach kind of whether you like it or not. So, well, I did it for most of my life. So I look, Hey, coach is a good thing to be called. I've been called asshole and everything else. So I'm a <laughs> coach. I can live with coach. There you go. Coach is a great alternative. So coach, our first question for you is why doesn't Ohio state get college game day ever? Well, they did get college game day a long while back, but I, you know, Joey, if they knew you were around and that you were going to have a great senior night speech that, that would go for a half hour and beat uh, and beat Andrew Dockage's speech, that maybe we'd show up. But the time that they did go, that was prior to my time on the show when I was still coaching. I guess they had a horrific turnout, absolutely horrific turnout with no ownership. So, you know, one of the things you want to be, you go to new venues, go to places that obviously have proven that they can embrace it. We went to Dayton this year. It was a blast. Went to Baylor this year. First time, it was a blast. But you always know what you're going to get when you go to a Kentucky and a Duke and a North Carolina. But we are trying to go to new venues. But I guess the last time they went to Ohio State, it was not a good scene. I, I don't find that hard to believe, unfortunately. Um, unless you're coming for the college football game day, um, it's just, it just can't live up to it. It's just it, it, that's unfortunate, but we always will. We'll always have the great turnout for the football, but that's obviously a whole different story. Yeah, it is a different story, and uh, their show is three hours, and uh, it's a little bit different. But uh, look, I, I'm a big Chris Holton fan. I, I think the world of him as a person. Uh, I think he's a terrific coach, uh, and uh, I think he's doing great things. And he stands for all the right things to me. I mean, he genuinely loves and cares about his players. He cares about the program and he cares about doing things the right way. I'm a big fan. Yeah, we, uh, we like him too. Joey obviously played for him, but we, uh, we've interviewed him and he was, he was a really great interview. Great, great dude. Sticking with the college basketball theme. You know, I know it's now months, months gone, but who, who kind of going into the tournament were you thinking was going to be the team that maybe, maybe runs away with the thing? Yeah, there were a couple that I thought were playing at an elite level. Kansas was playing at an elite level, no doubt about it. The guard play really. Dotson was terrific. Doka's a movable object. I thought their big athletic wings, Abaji, those guys were playing really well. Uh, I thought the Michigan State at the end of the season was playing really well. Xavier Tillman, the development of his game. Cassius could see the finish line. You know, with everything that team went through, his ability to, to see the finish line, uh, I think, was important. You could see it in his body language and with his joy. Rocket Watts gave him a guy that could take some pressure off of him. Uh, that team was getting better. Gonzaga was a team that all along had a chance to win it all. Size, depth, athleticism, they could invert. Uh, they were better defensively than people thought. 
Uh, Gonzaga was uh, a team that were no doubt about it uh, could have, have made a run. And then, you know, there, then there were just, there were a lot of teams that were, you know, not great teams, but very good teams that could get on a run. I mean, even Dayton was a team, you know, that could have gotten on a run. Uh, I'm not sure they would have, but they could have gotten on a run. I mean, they were for real. They could really defend. Uh, they played with two point guards, so they didn't turn it over. Uh, they had a go-to guy that obviously was very good. They had great role players. Mike saw and those guys were really, really good role players. Uh, I thought they were very good. I thought Baylor was good. I don't think they were healthy down the stretch uh, because their backcourt was really dangerous. Uh, Butler, terrific. Amacio Teague, very, very good. Uh, they had guys that embraced roles, and, and they, uh, but, but they weren't healthy. And that was uh, – a little bit of a concern. Uh, Kentucky was on an uptick some uh, and had a legitimate chance. So I, I thought there were more teams that had a chance to get to the Final Four, uh, more teams that uh, had a DNA. You know, the DNA of Final Four teams are veteran teams. That's just the way it is. Uh, veteran teams that have shared experiences, that have a toughness, that uh, roles are well-defined and the system is intact. So uh, I thought this year could have been an incredible Final Four. but. Uh, you know, when we look back at it, it's going to be a year that will be obviously missing a lot. But uh, you think about Rudy Gobert, if they, he didn't have that positive test that brought so much attention to the virus. Who knows what could have happened? So it was a, a very, very difficult time. The last team I would have said, I, Florida State was a sneaky good team. Not they weren't even sneaky good. They were really good. And uh, they were a team uh, that was – could have made a run as well. But, uh, look, we're, we're in a very, very difficult place in our society. We're in a very difficult place, uh, obviously, with the virus, and, and everyone is anxious. You know, I would just say that if we could care and communicate uh, better uh, and have greater compassion for each other, whether it's because of the, through the virus or just society, we'd all, we'd all be a lot better. When everyone says we're all in this thing together – I would like to see a time when we're legitimately all in this thing together. And I think that's one great thing about sports is that it, you know, not in the most perfect way, but it brings people together. And I think that hopefully um, stuff like the TBT, the NBA coming back, um, whether it takes people's minds off of things or it brings people together, I think it will be, you know, a huge positive moving forward just to have that other, other normal part of your life kind of back. Yeah, it'll be a good diversion. There's no doubt about it. Uh, it'll be a good diversion. It'll give us a sense of normalcy. It doesn't impact the systemic racial issues that we've had in our country for years and years and years. It doesn't uh, resolve the, uh, the bad cops that have uh, done things that are just deplorable and depressing and, and unconscionable. I mean, I can't even – like when you see these, these some of these videotapes, the sad thing is I have two former players that are police officers. Eric Brown was a great player at the University of Miami, and Keith Armstrong played for me uh, at Pitt, a uh, Michigan kid, and, and they're on the front lines. They're two African-American guys that were good players and great people, and, uh, you know, it hurts them as much as it hurts everyone else. But, you know, they really, in their heart of hearts, they think there's, there, are guy, there are police officers that are doing a lot of good things, but we have a systemic issue in our country, and it's got to be addressed. And uh, it's got to start in the community. It's got to start one conversation at a time. It's got to start 
with people caring about each other and, and communicating with each other and having compassionate uh, for each other's situations. I think, I think something that is incredible on, on your part is you have, you have such, such a large reach, obviously, and between when stuff originally happened with coronavirus and the stuff going on now, you've kind of definitely used your, your, uh, your reach to reach people and to talk to people. So I think that that's, that's really cool. And especially with something with, with the tournament being canceled for, for coronavirus, like you easily could have been, you know, upset about it. You easily could have shown that you were angry rather than knowing that it was the right thing that had to be done. You know, there was, there was kind of split people throughout the country saying maybe they should have kept playing, maybe they shouldn't. So I think, I think it's awesome on, on your part, definitely to see no matter what the issue is, you being vocal and out there, because there's a lot of people who choose not to do that with a similar reach as your own. Well, the truth will set you free. And, you know, like I, I always thought, you know, I coached for 36 years and I have to at times critique uh, my, my friends. I'm mean, my friends. I, the running joke is right before we did a, we did a game day at Kentucky. Kentucky played South Carolina, played horrifically. And I said, look, if they continue to play like this, they don't even like each other. They're not sharing the ball. They're not playing for the strengths. I said, uh, you know, they are really going to struggle. And I had to go and then do game day at, at Kentucky that Saturday. And I get, I get there on Thursday. And John Calipari is one of my dearest friends. And, and he goes, I need you to do me a favor. I said, what's that? He goes, I want you to speak to my team. We need to speak to Timmy because honestly, I said, I said, I know, I know they're all pissed off at me. He goes, No, hell, I know one thing about you. You have no agenda. You, know, you, you didn't say anything that trying to be hurtful. You said stuff that I'm saying to our team in our locker room. So I went into the locker room and uh, coach introduced me. I knew all those guys because I worked Cal's fantasy camp. And uh, so I just said, I gripped Kevin Knox. I said, Kevin, I said, How many points you score in high school? He goes, I don't know, coach. I said, You know exactly how many points you score in high school. Who are you kidding? He goes, you're at like 2,600 or whatever. And so <laughs> that dude's got to get shots. All right, here's the deal. That dude's got to get shots. And uh, Shay Gilgis, I see Coach is giving you the ball. It's your team. Run your team. And I just went right through it. I said, look, I love you guys. I love. I don't have any agenda on any team. Like, I love when people come up and he's a Duke-cater. Kay kicked his ass so many times. He's a Duke-cater. <laughs> I beat Kay four times. Twice when he was number one. Screw that. I mean, no, I just say what I see. I mean, like, I don't have an agenda. I have great admiration for them. I have great admiration for any coach that's done it that long and been that successful. I mean, but I have an obligation. Uh, and I have an obligation to look at the game through the prism of a coach and give my opinions. And that's what I, uh, that's what I try to do. I have zero, literally, I don't hate any school. I like certain schools more because, like, Tom Izzo's a dear friend. Uh, you know, Coach Holman's a good friend. I mean, I can go Chaka Smart as a dear friend. I mean, uh, but, but I mean, my job is to, they hired me to have an opinion through the prism of what 36 years of coaching. And that's what I do. So I, for one, love the coach's opinion in terms of an analyst perspective, because it kind of reinforces what we hear in our locker room every single day, most of the time, you know, and, and it always helps from a player's perspective when someone from the outside comes in and they go, you know, here's what you're doing wrong. Here's how you can fix it. You guys are great. You guys are here for a reason, yada, yada, yada. And you walk out of there and we all go, well, shoot, that's what Coach Holtman has been telling us for three weeks. Like we should have listened to him three weeks ago. And that you're right. it, it almost never fails. 
Well, that's what you try to do. And then that's the difference between a guru and a, and a coach. You know, you have a lot of gurus that are analysts that never call a timeout and uh, that have not been in that situation. Don't understand what you guys are going through. Like what, what you guys go, what, what a team goes through during the course of a season, away from basketball, away from basketball, you know, whether it's uh, a guy struggling in a class, a guy having a problem with his girlfriend, uh, a jealousy within the locker room, if you don't have someone that's coaching the locker room, a player who has something going on in his family. Uh, you know, there are so many different things that go on during the course of a season. Uh, there's so much static that understanding that, like the other team's also trying to win also. Like the other team's got 13 guys on scholarships too. And uh, it's easy, you know, got insiders or whatever you want to call them, I, you know, they, they, they really do not understand the day-to-day grind and pressure that you guys go, are under as players and how coaches try to help navigate and, and I guess the new word of the day is mitigate you know, the distractions and keep your team in a good place because let's face it, you play in the Big Ten, you play in the ACC, you play in the SEC, you're going to have some roadblocks and detours. And when you have roadblocks and detours, it impacts your locker room or it impacts the people because once they leave your locker room, they're static around everyone. I don't care who it is. And dealing with that is is a big part of the job. And I mean, you guys went through it this year at Ohio State. I mean, there's no doubt about it. So, I mean, it's it's hard. So I, I just try to most support things to be honest, be fair, and talk through the prism of, you know, I coached 22 years as a head coach, 36 years in coaching. Uh, you know, I've got my you know, brains beat in, in the ACC. I coached in the Big East. I coached in the Conference USA. I have a little understanding about, what it is that makes the game so difficult for the length of the season. So, so obviously, as, as you just mentioned, you have extensive amounts of coaching experience. I think there's a lot of uh, TBT teams that could benefit from having Coach Greenberg's on the sideline. You think any chance we ever see something like that in TBT? Uh, I don't think so. I'll, I'll call those games. I might call I might coach again. I turned down a job this year, but I, I'm not sure I'm going to coach in TBT. But my brother almost coached, actually, a team a year ago. He coaches overseas, and he was general manager in Philadelphia 76ers that drafted Allen Iverson. He was the GM of the assistant GM of Portland Trailblazers with Drexler, and he coached in college for a long time. And But, uh, no, I, you know, I like my seat for the TBT right now. It's, it's pretty cool. And I, I tell you, what I do love, and I know Virginia Tech was actually going to think of trying to have a – a team in the tournament. Uh, I, I, the two things I love about the TBT because there's a there's a kind of a diversity within within the TBT. There's the, obviously the alumni team teams, which is such a cool thing because it gives those guys to put that uniform on one more time and have that shared experience. And you could see the joy that those guys have when they do that, win or lose. And whether it's Carmen's crew who won it, or or whether it's you know, you see the Colorado team at one year. You see Notre Dame won it one year. But, I mean, the Marquette team and how, how passionate they are about, you know, playing for each other. Tom Crean came to Atlanta to watch them play one time. And then you've got the teams with a cause. All right? So, teams with a cause, like the Team Challenge ALS, is Sean Marshall, who's an incredible guy, just an incredible guy. Uh, but a lot of kids, guys from the Inland Empire. And then, you know, obviously uh, – 
the different the different causes to me uh you know sideline cancer and their mission is just incredible the Griffin family so I, I just think it's it and then you've got what I call the uh you know the overseas elite which is obviously the Celtics or the Lakers of uh, of the TBT with uh you know I guess DJ Kennedy being the uh, you know kind of like the LeBron James of the TBT but uh it's the thing is great the games are competitive uh the Elam ending makes the end of the games incredible and the one thing for ESPN they always say you want to be memorable you know I don't think I ever called it a TBT game that wasn't memorable yeah I mean we're super excited about it you know I know the official teams and rosters are not a hundred percent set yet but I actually do have a little bit of breaking news for you that just happened 10 minutes ago so 10 minutes ago, 10 minutes ago war war Tampa which is a team which of, is the Auburn team the Auburn team, basically, yeah. <laughs> Auburn and Florida, they just announced that they actually added Fletcher McGee to their oh. team. Oh, and we just buckets. had, yeah, buckets. We had Fletcher on uh, last week. So, what, what do you think about that acquisition? Well, look, you need shot makers in the thing. There's no doubt about it. You need people that can stretch the defense. Now, you got to have guys who can deliver him the basketball and how they'll play. But, I mean, that's a great look. Joe Johnson was a pretty good addition also at overseas mm-hmm. elite. You yes. talk about kicking it up a notch. You got to understand now that that's a great addition. I mean, like, like war tab, that, that, that's a terrific addition. Uh, but team overseas, uh, overseas elite is ridiculous because their basketball IQ on that team, they play with, because those guys have played so many games and because of the experiences they've had overseas, the maturity that they have, those guys play great basketball. And now Team Hines has kind of adopted that same philosophy of getting really high-level, you know, guys from overseas. So, I mean, like, you know, you've got, you know, uh, Eberlin Drive, you know, is a team that has really, really athletic and, and big time. But you've got NBA dudes playing on the on these teams. you got, like, the teams that are going to win are going to have guys that could be successful in the NBA. And that's, so- I mean, like, it's a high level of basketball, man. It's a high level yeah. of basketball. So last year, Joey and I were both at the at the Final Four in Chicago at, at Wintrust Arena when Carmen Screw ended up winning. And Jonathan Simmons was on one of the teams, and he was like two years removed from averaging close to 20 points in the NBA with the yeah. Spurs and the Magic, and he was like shut down. I think he went like 0 for 12 or something like that in, in the game. And it's just crazy because – you forget that these guys who play overseas are still elite, elite players and oh, elite defenders. Players. And mature. And uh, they have high, they're high character. They're mature. They, they have an understanding. But you guys got Aaron Kraft. He's making his swan song, right? I mean, this, is, this is the last uh, Aaron Kraft's last hurrah, right? That's, that's what he says. I mean, like, every single year it's the same thing. I'm playing this year and then I'm going to retire. But apparently, what is Conor McGregor in the TBT or what? Exactly. <laughs> he's, he's like he's like Brett Favre. He just retires and unretires. And but but the one thing that's different is is he's not leaving Ohio State at least. But um, I just I find it hard to believe. I grew up. Aaron Kraft was my favorite player ever, um, and now he's my good friend, which is very very weird and funny at the same time. And he still tells us each. He'll tell John Dibble the same thing thing that he tells Andrew. He'll just say, "Look, this is my last year." And then, boom, out of nowhere, I guess I can play one more. It's just 
It's unbelievable that he's 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 Iron Man. He could play for as long as he wanted to. Is he is he in playing shape? I th- I sure think so. I think he I think he might never not be in playing shape. <laughs> I think he's just built that way. So here's the deal. So if you play pickup with him, does he foul all the time? He first of all, <laughs> he wouldn't waste his time guarding me, so I wouldn't know. But um, he. So what's funny about it is I was being being the walk on. I was always the guy that was, if they, you know, if the former guys needed an extra body, I was on that team, which was great because I never lost. Um, but not so good because I never got to play with my teammates. So I, of course, thought he never fouled because he was on my team. But so other you ask Andrew Dockett, you might say something differently. I hear you. I hear. By the way, you're ma- you have a manager, uh, R- Richie Felder's son. What's uh, Felder? What's uh, at Ohio State? Uh, what's his first name? A uh, good friend of mine. He, his dad's an agent. He's uh, helping coach. I, I must have just missed him. Yeah, yeah. He's he was there this year. Yeah, that, yeah. I just missed yeah. him then. But all those new guys, they they're all awesome. Our managers are just. I mean, some of my closest all, friends. All, Best people managers. in sports. I just had a, uh, a Zoom call with all my teams, not every player, but I mean, like about 30 or 40 guys. And, and my former managers at the three schools, I was a head coach. They arranged it. It was great. Wow. Managers that's, are, that's very cool. Managers are brilliant. They're, they're always so good brilliant. for that because there's no chance any of my teammates could organize that. That's for sure. No, no. I, I, there's no, no chance a guy that was a head coach for 22 years could organize that. I can right. promise you that. Yeah, Joey Joey is one year going on two years removed from playing at Ohio State, but the way he talks, you'd think he's still on the team right now. So <laughs> so I, I don't good. blame the him. The way he talks, Andrew Dockus, you would think he, he you know he's been there for you know red shirt and he's been there for five years. So what's the difference? I think the the greatest thing about Andrew and it's it's really unbelievable that he gets brought up on every single episode that we ever tape. Um but the greatest thing about him is he is the prototype for the converted Buckeye. I mean, people talk about it all the time. Like, you know, you can come over to the dark side that is Ohio State, blah, whatever. You can do whatever you want. But once you're here, you're going to realize that you were meant to be here. And he is 100,000. He His allegiance to John Beeline will never leave. He loves Beeline with all his heart, which I, I he gave him the chance to play college basketball. Like, I feel the same way about Coach Mata. But at the same time, like, he – the first it, – it was very true that the first year he was on the team, he's rooting for Ohio State to beat Michigan in football. That's when you're like, all right, we got him. <laughs> <laughs> Love my man, Junior. That's my guy. <laughs> Something that is not talked about enough about Andrew Dockich, he's one heck of a GM, and he's putting together a good TBT team for this summer, a bunch of young guys on Big X. Do you think a team like that could potentially young have – can't win. Can't win. Well, Absolutely well, not. Win. It's, it's like, yeah, maybe, maybe they bring Cal Perry in the coach team. Not, can't win. Can't win. And, and I, like those dudes don't know what they don't know. And like, here's the thing: every level you go up, there's an adjustment. And like, there's a reason that if you look at the last four or five Final Fours, they were basically veteran teams. Now, can't win. Young, hey, junior, sorry. I don't care who's on. He, he, what is, he, is he getting Duncan Robinson to, like, you know, take some time off to knock down some he needs, jumpers for him? He needs I'm like, more like, than who's Duncan Robinson. Who's, 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 who's he getting on the state? Who's he getting on the state? Well, he's got Caleb Wesson and Nick Ward. I mean, that's a formidable front court, obviously. Yeah, it's Nick and Shea. It's a question for Nick. 
Not for me. <laughs> yeah. So something yeah. you got to have guards in TBT. You got to have guard play. Yeah, and if you have Andrew Dockage as your starting point guard, it's safe to say that. Is Andrew playing? He's playing. All right, they're done. <laughs> Tell my sense. So I'm going to speak to his dad. I'm going to speak to his dad later. So I just can't. He, he will say he will be happy that you mentioned that they're a young team, though. That'll that will even out the you saying that he's washed up, but you call them young. That'll that'll be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, but I mean, hard to, young teams can't win. Can't win. So a lot of a lot of new guys are joining. You know, Nate Robinson announced he's playing in TBT. Glenn Big Baby big, Davis. Big Baby. Yeah, yeah Big Baby. Joey and I, on the last episode, we talked about some guys that we would want to see in TBT. You know, we said, like, Tyler Hansbrough, Sam Decker, guys like that. But then we also said – we also said, like, Nick Young and J.R. Smith, like guys that are are still trying to play but are not playing in the NBA. Do you have anyone off the top of your head that you would love to see in TBT? Well, who knows what happens with the season. I I think Bayheim's army needs to get mellow. That's what I said the same thing. That's so funny. I mean, Bayheim's army. Let's come on. Let's let, let let let's get mellow. Let's get this thing done. I mean, come on now. Uh, let me. I'm just looking at. I I might have a little inside. I can't share it with you guys, but of of who's it, who's in, and who's out. Uh, we, we have that too. Don't worry. we? Got that too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would I, I would think uh, a Carter can't play for West Virginia if West Virginia, you know, best Virginia makes it. I mean. Uh, <laughs> Men of Mackey, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I know who's not going to play Men of Mackey. That harms. <laughs> no Jell Easter. <laughs> no Jell Easter was my AU teammate. How about that? Small world. You know, I, I really like the guy, but it, I mean, I don't, I don't understand the transferring. Like, go find a jump shot. Yeah, I I, 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 think, I think he can defend. He can rebound. He obviously he, – he just – some things I, I don't understand these days. What's amazing yeah, to me about him is uh, he, he was in my high school conference, and uh, all he did was shoot. That's all he did. He shot and he dunked. That's all he did. And now it's, yeah. it's, it's just unbelievable. But that's a whole different story. We could yeah. get, I could talk about transfers for the rest of my life. My, yeah. my fre- incoming freshman class, six guys. Yeah, the whole thing transferred. Yeah. All of them transferred. It's the only guy I left. Was with, I was with Coach Mata uh, the summer – before his last year and we actually uh spent a lot of time together and uh he just said i can't have guys around that just aren't going to buy in he said it was killing us we're not a good team because no one really is committed to each other yeah i mean that's an understatement it was the me 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 the selfish agenda that just kill it, it kills in any sport but like in basketball the ultimate team game it's just it's impossible to win you better be the most talented team to ever exist if you want to compete because other than that, I mean, it's just – I mean, yeah, it's just it's hard. And, and for a guy like Coach Mata, who's, he's such a good – great coach and such a good guy. Yeah. Great I mean, guy. You go from guys – the Carmen's crew team is the is, – that's the, that's the gold standard of teams that play together, chemistry, buy-in, best friends, want nothing but the best for the team and themselves. And then yeah. four years later, it's just the opposite of the spectrum. It's just, it's just yeah. insane. It's hard. It's hard. We talked we talk with uh, – Ryan Mikesell last week too and he kind of spoke a little bit about uh if the Red Scare team is in and they win he said it would it would feel like a little bit of closure a little bit of redemption because they didn't get to play in the tournament but they still are winning a tournament what, what do you think when you hear something like that 
Well, they're gonna, if they could win without Obi Toppin, that'd be a hell of a thing. <laughs> but uh, look, look, what they had – here's the way I look at all this stuff. And I, I've done a bunch of talks to uh, some high school graduating classes and, and, and some different teams uh, in the last three months. And you can't let the virus take away from all the incredible moments that you had you can't let the virus take away from those shared experiences you had with your teammates. You can't take away from the, the virus, take away from how, how a, a group of guys came together and, and, and did special things. So um, would it be incredible? It would be incredible, but they should, I, me, if I was them, I would say that sounds great, but I wouldn't look at it that way for, because they shouldn't define themselves by anything but what they actually accomplished. And if you look at what they accomplished as a group and where they took the program, and you talk about a team that was together, you know, you could tell when a team really loves each other and appreciates their coaching staff. We were at Dayton for that last game day. It was beautiful. I mean, it was really, really something uh, special. Uh, those guys like cared about each other and, and respected each other and trusted each other and, uh, trusted Coach Grant and the rest of the coaching staff. I mean, it was really uh, – it was a great lesson that if, if people drop their guards and actually just look into each other's hearts, that, that you can do amazing things. And uh, that team was really good. But I, I, I would say that sounds good. It makes a good sound bite. But I wouldn't do anything to, to, to underst- but understand that what they accomplished and the experiences they had, the success they had, all right, that's what defines that group, not not the virus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I think that in a perfect world, to get some closure would be a positive thing, obviously. But at the same time, it was clear that Ryan knew that that group was so unbelievably special and nothing could change that. Um, oh, incredible. But, incredible group. But it, it would be fun to cherry on top of his – I mean, technically not his college basketball career, but basically is because he hasn't been he hasn't been a pro yet. Um, be nice to put the cherry on top, winning the championship. Do you have a short list of teams that you think can can win it all? I think Bayham's Army. I mean, they, they, if, if everyone shows up, they could end up with three or four NBA players that are veteran players. Now, uh, I think they got they, they lost a little toughness. I love my my man Dindorf. I think he, that's my guy. I love his passion. I mean, I think there's – quite honestly, I mean, the list of teams, there's probably 10, 10 teams that have a legitimate shot. I mean, how, how do you go against Carmen Screw overseas a leader? You know, I mean, uh, Beheim's Army is going to be very good. I mean, Hugs is going to coach West Virginia. I mean, we're come hoping, on now. We're hoping that happens too. I mean, if that happens, forget about it. I mean, all bets are off. I mean, he will be killing those guys. <laughs> He's going to have the treadmill on the side of the court ready for them to run on it when they turn the ball over. But I'll tell you one thing, like, and like the veteran teams, like the, you know, the overseas league, they'll be able to handle pressure. But like teams that haven't practiced together or don't have a little bit of a a real good feel, they'll turn people over. I mean, they'll turn people over. But, you know, the thing is that the level of play in in the TBT is really at a high level. Like, it's really, really at a high level. Like, last year I did the D3 team. I mean, that, they were really good. I mean, they're well coached. So, I mean, you know, to me, it's the level of basketball 
like the level of basketball, not the players, although in, in a lot of ways the players, is as good as the, the NBA Summer League. Easy. Absolutely. Easy. Easy. So, uh, and it's good. You know what it does? It, it, it's going to kick off sport in a lot of ways. Obviously, it's, it's going to be prior to the NBA kicking back off. It's going to be prior to probably – Major League Baseball, the most foolish sport in the history of life. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with hockey, but uh, I think it's going to, you know, I think it's going to capture people's imaginations. And then they're going to get into the Elam ending that people are going to see how good these guys are and how competitive they are and how important it is. And it's, you know, hey, it's one, you know, you got one chance, man, one chance. And let's give, you know, the TBT credit. I mean, they, they, the, the caution, precautions they're taking. It's incredible. I mean, at the expense that there, there, obviously there is a risk. Let's be honest, but but in terms of how they're going about it and their protocol, uh, they've crossed every T, dotted every I. No, like we won't be. Bro- I'm going to be broadcasting from uh, Indianapolis or maybe even from my house. We're doing them as Remy games, I think, right now. So, you know, we wanted to be there, which makes sense because if you've got, you know, let's face it, you got 24 teams, you, you could potentially get exposed to it very large number of people. So uh, we do Remy games now. I mean, I haven't, I haven't done a Remy game since an international game, but you know, Remy game is basically you're in a booth in a building and you get the feed and you're watching the game on a big TV. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. I do think they should pump in crowd noise. For the TBT I, or for, for, for the TBT and college basketball. I think college basketball, if college basketball starts, um, Without fans, I think that they should there should be a director of uh, of fandom, and there should literally because like coach as you guys know, I'm Joe. You know, I mean, like I used to pump in crowd noise in practice. Oh my, we never practiced without it. Yeah, so I mean, so I mean, like to create that, and I'll tell you, and it'll take a little heat off the coaches when we get to college basketball because you don't want people to hear everything you're saying to an <laughs> official. No, I mean even 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 the the most you know reserved coach says shit to officials that you know you really don't want to hear. So I mean, I, I think there will be a, to try to create a home atmosphere. I mean, like, look, it'll be the obligation of the home team to to handle it. Uh, I do think that TV, although they say it impact it, it, it can cheap to broadcast, I think TV could do that. I mean, they could create virtual people in the stands. What do you think? Like you guys played in in that those that tournament with Kentucky and Carolina, the the, the uh, classic. Yeah. And all those logos on the floor—they're all virtual logos. I mean, you could put virtual people in the stands and and just program them. So I mean, who knows what's going to happen? Uh, the, let's face it: the thing we all all hope happens is some of these very very brilliant people all over the world. Uh, you know, as these vaccines come into play and hopefully get into phase two and phase three, we find out there's a cure uh, for, the, for the virus or, or at least an antivirus. So, I mean, that's, let's face it, that's what we all need because uh, that's the most important thing is, I mean, healthy people are dying. I mean, it's not just something that's happening in nursing homes. It's not just things that are happening to the elderly and our country is opening up and there's more cases because there's more testing, but uh, you know, the one thing, nothing has changed in real, except that people understand wearing a mask and 
and keeping distance, nothing's changed from the day that the NCAA tournament or ACC tournament or Big Ten tournament was canceled. Nothing's changed in terms of the disease. Yeah, and obviously finding a vaccine is, seems to be one of the craziest and most impossible things to do, just the process of that. I feel like if Nick Elam was a doctor, he would be able to figure something out because that guy is a genius, and we had him on the show, and he is just it, it thinks of so many things that no one has yeah, ever thought guy. of before. Yeah, yeah, he's a smart guy, and uh, he, Nick Elam is a smart guy, but. I think there's some dudes a whole lot smarter than him <laughs> that I'm working on this thing. And, uh, and uh, I, 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 look, you just got to hope. I mean, you got to hope that I uh, pray that, you know, that the world is working on it. And in general, the world is working together uh, to find cures. And, and there's a tremendous amount of money is being invested in it for the good of humanity. And, and that's, you know, it goes back to what we started at humanity, compassion, caring, communication. Uh, you know, com- those those are the things our, our our world has got to get back to. For sure, those are the things our country has to get back to. For sure. Let me just flip the subject just a bit um, and ask you, you know, if you were commissioner of the NCAA, if they invented this new rule where you were the czar of, of the NCAA. Phyllis would be really pissed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's a great point. Um, do you, I feel like you got to be a guy that has something in mind that said, if I was put in charge, that's the first thing I'm changing. Well, you know, the interesting thing is the prism that, that I look at things through. Like, first of all, name, image, and likeness, I have no problem with it. I like the Olympic model because I don't think everyone thinks that there's going to be all kinds of revenue and, and, and not, you know, it's not going to be like that. People, very wealthy, successful people don't just throw money around. That's just the way it is. Uh, will there be? Will there be for the Zion Williamson and those people? Sure, but I'll tell you, like guys like you, you get to run a camp. That's great. Can you get a free slice of pizza? I don't know. I mean, you know, might be able to maybe do an appearance, do a bar mitzvah, do a birthday, do a one day clinic. But there's no major corporation that's going to take an 18 year old that's on a college campus, 18 year old on a college campus, and make them. And, and and potentially uh, have them represent their brand. It, it, look, they're gonna. You have to vet the, these people before you do that. But so I'd have no problem with name, image, and likeness. Uh, I do think that you know the whole FBI investigation, everything that's gone on. Uh, you know, I feel I feel for like say Oklahoma State. Uh, you know, those kids weren't there when when those violations occurred. So if you. You know, I, everyone's complaining about the, the penalty, but, you know, there, there's got to be some type of rules in place and some type of legislation. Now, if you don't think that's right, then you've got to hit schools in a pocketbook so hard. Like NC State shouldn't, if they get, if, if they get after their notice of allegations, if they get accused of and convicted of these, of these uh, penalties, that they cleaned house. New staff, new athletic administration, uh, they've cleaned house. But you know what? The university is still the university. So I don't think any of the NC State players should be penalized because it, it, it was literally, they were like freshmen in high school. But the university should, and they should hit them hard in the pocket. Hard in the pocket. But, I mean, the, the Oklahoma State thing is a hard thing because you're saying that they, they didn't get a competitive advantage. None of the players are on their team. We really don't know that. 
Uh, we don't know that, but uh, I'm very interested to see what's going to happen with obviously LSU, what's going to happen with, you know, Auburn, what's going to happen with Arizona, what's going to happen with a, a number of different schools. I mean, this is going to be really interesting in terms of, of the, of the czar, I would give coaches more access to their players, not saying they have to do, but more access to their players. Number two is John Calipari came up with the idea for actually fall basketball or late summer basketball, create these old mini tournaments. Uh, you have your players on campus. You're working with them a couple of hours a week. Give them something to look forward to at the end of the year. You're going head you know, it'll change now. You're going head to head with baseball. It's before football starts. How about like August creating regional tournaments all over the country? That would be great for basketball. It would be great to make our sport a 12-month sport. Football is a 12-month sport. College football is a 12-month sport because of spring football, because they're recruiting period in the late recruiting period. We've got to find a way to create a conversation about college basketball for 12 months in a positive way. I think Cal's idea for that, because we see like I did, I did Kentucky's trip to the Bahamas, and, I mean, they, they were sold out. They had the crazy Big Blue Nation. They were sold out. It was great. It was a great atmosphere. So. Why do, why do we limit that to just once every four years? Why don't we give the ability to, at the end of the summer, create these mini tournaments in regions maybe? Now, you're going to see a lot of things happen now because of the virus. You're going to see a lot more local non-conference games. You're going to see, uh, quite honestly, you're going to see uh, guarantee numbers that paying out to schools go down. And you're also going to see, and we've seen it now, the mid-major jobs are going to become impossible because the mid-major jobs, uh, because leagues are going to 20 games, there's fewer opportunities. I'm not a fan of uh, the one-time transfer exception. I just, I, I, me personally, I think I think there's lessons to be learned, uh, and I know I think that they, I think that what what a good rule would be if a coach leaves, you can leave, because everyone says, well, the coach can leave any time. Well, every time I left the job. I paid a lot of money in my buyout, a lot of money, all right? Um, I think if a player leaves prior to the end of the semester, I mean, it's just not right. So I think that if coach leaves or his coach is fired, there should be a two-week period after the new coach gets hired for that coach to have a chance to re-recruit those guys. If not, guys should be able to transfer and be eligible immediately. But if not, I think players, uh, you know, they should be – I wouldn't even call it a penalty, you know, because, I mean, like when you, a lot of times guys transfer, it's the best experience in their, in their world. They get to learn the system. They get to understand and get acclimated to it. They get to uh, develop relationships, which then gives them a better opportunity to be successful. I know Matt Painter at Purdue, he did this whole study on transfers. It's amazing. Like, guys transfer. No one's, no one's transferring and playing in the NCAA tournament, Harley. No one's transferring going to school and making it to the NBA. I got I, I've got the numbers over here somewhere in my my stack. It's it's unbelievable the lack of success in terms of big picture that transfers have. I'm not against transfers. I think you know sometimes you got to leave, but sometimes you got to fight through some stuff and face some adversity. You know, adversity visits you strong; it lives with the weak. I mean, you, you know that that kind of gives you the essence of who you are. So. Uh, I think that if coaches leave or coaches get fired, guys should be able to transfer and be eligible immediately. And I've always thought that, even when I was coaching. Uh, here's what my, my two takeaways from from your from your czar session. Uh, my two takeaways are number one, that tournament in August is the best idea I think I've ever heard 
in terms of new additions to the sport because I remember my first three years, those summers, the only light at the end of the tunnel for the summer is going home, you know, yeah. for a month. There's nothing else to be excited for besides the one year that I, we went overseas, which you're, you're preparing to go overseas, which is a blast and the coolest thing ever. But if you were preparing for a tournament or preparing for games the same way you are in the fall, you're preparing for your first game. I mean, that would just, I, I mean, that would make so much, it makes too much sense. I mean, it just make it's the same thing as spring football. It just makes, yeah. it, it just makes too much sense. And then the second takeaway is I'm very grateful that I, have exhausted my eligibility because my bar mitzvah appearances have skyrocketed. So yeah, I can, say, I can understand that. I can understand that. Uh, you know, I mean, like I'm telling you what the bar mitzvahs, uh, birthdays, I mean, guys will make money on that softball, softball players, girls, softball players are going to make a ton. Soccer, girls, soccer players, they can run, they can run camps. They have an opportunity to monetize the, themselves. Uh, yeah. Well, certain guys get shoe contracts. Very, very few. People aren't just the car dealers aren't even giving college coaches cars. Right. They're not throwing around cars. So I mean, what teams that cheat will figure out a way to cheat. That's just the way it is. Yeah. I, I I don't like the argument that people say that, well, the quarterback on the football team is gonna get a car. What about the um women's golfer? It's like, well, I, she'll get something somehow, some way, but it's not about that. You know, it's not it's it's hard to it's hard to compare those those two scenarios. I, I don't like that argument. It's going to be hard in the locker room because here's the biggest problem. You know it. You, you experienced a, a tough locker room this year. Every guy in the locker room is going to have an agent. Yeah. So those agents are going to be working against each other. And then those agents are going to be filling those players' heads with static, which is going to take away from their real thing, is to play well, to be a winning player, to work on your craft so that you have a chance to chase your dream. And the last thing is – these agents also gonna don't understand because what well, they do understand is that the league they're trying to get to is a very exclusive club. The NBA is a very exclusive club. It is not for everyone. Too many times these players think that it's a rite of passage and well, I'm just going to go to the league. Uh, no, you're not. That's just the way it is. I mean, the, and the numbers bear it out. 60 guys get drafted. 40 of them are going to be uh, I mean, 20 of them are going to be international players. That leaves 40 spots. The two-way contracts this year because of the virus, some of those two-way contracts are going to be taken up with guys coming back from Europe. You watch, because some guys won't want to go back overseas. And they'll come just, back and do play two-way for less money. The, the argument of locker room troubles is, as a player, what would scare me. Because I think – Yes, agents, obviously a problem. But I think also the wrong guy, obviously, you know, and the right guy with the right mindset is just going to be thinking about playing basketball. But the wrong guy could see, you know, Jay Sean Tate could see Kata Bates-Diop getting some kind of deal that he thinks he deserves as well. And that could make them butt heads when they were best friends and roommates for three years. And now all of a sudden, yeah. you know, they hate each other. Or vice versa. I mean, I was, you know, and Andrew can kind of vouch for me, like, I was kind of the face of the program, which is bizarre as the guy, the last guy on the bench. So what would people think when I'm getting all these deals, this guy doesn't even touch the court, you know? So it could be an issue. I don't, I think I played on teams where it would have been an issue. I think I played on teams where it wouldn't have been an issue, but yeah. I think it's there are delicate. There will be a ton, tons of teams that run into those problems because the, the world we live in today 
it's already who's got the most followers who's you know i mean it's just it's just crazy it's going to make it hard it's going to make it difficult and and like these are really good guys that because of the pressures because there's so much the, the one thing is and you understand Joey, there's so much pressure on players uh that they never really take the chance to really enjoy the college experience 100%. Because that, and 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 then you know, if it's like the NBA Academy, those kids are going to have a void because it's going to be what happens if you go to the NBA Academy and you're the sixth, seventh, eighth, or ninth guy. What, what happens if you go to the NBA Academy and then all of a sudden you you're not as you're not that good, and you don't get drafted? Where do you go back to? Like, what are you a part of? And that you know that that's going to be a concern down down the road. So, hey, look, uh, we get. The world's got big issues, the virus, but the TBT is ready to rock and roll. Absolutely. Definitely. And kind of kind of my last, last question for you, uh, with everything with the Elam ending, of all the guys in college this year that either are getting ready for another year or, or go into the NBA, who's one guy that you think would be the most capable of scoring all of the points in the Elam ending? All of the points. Wow. All of them. Whether it's you can't eight. Pick, or, you can't whether pick it's, Andrew Dockich and you can't I'll pick I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing. I'd, I I would say who would have a hand in all the points would be Cassius Winston. Because the ball is going to be in that dude's hands. No doubt There's about it. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> I would say. I mean, that's a non-debatable one, right? There'll be some type of ball screen. Uh, and there'll be some type of action on the backside. And uh, – and he will either hit a floater, a three, or he'll throw a one-hand Euro pass cross-court diagonally for an open shot. So he would be one that would be uh, really good. I'll tell you, a, a player that uh, is similar, there's actually two players that are similar, both on the same team. Sadiq Bey would be a tough matchup in the Elam ending because you can move him in the action a lot of different places going over. He, 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 he would be a very, very good Elam ending player. Because of his uh, of his versatility, Devin Dotson would be uh, uh, Dotson would be really good because of his speed uh, and his ability to get out in the open court, and also his ability to defend and create a turnover. Uh, those guys would be pretty good. Uh, Jared Butler, Baylor would be, be a guy because the ball's in his hands, and he is a tough, tough, tough dude. And what about our guy well, Garzilla? I mean, garzilla has got to touch the ball every time. That's, down a, the floor. that's a great one. I think you and he, and he can yeah. make free throws. Yeah, I think I think that's a great one. Just because the Elam ending, the strategy obviously you need guards, no doubt about it. But the strategy of throwing it inside for the Elam ending is it, it, it's just different because you just need to score. You doesn't matter how you score, or how quick you score, you just need to score. You got to throw that bad boy inside, and you got to get to the foul line. Is what you got to yeah. do. All those people that even have leads going into it think they're going to go for the quick dagger and the quick three. Nuh-uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> Put pressure on the defense. Boom, punch that thing inside, play downhill, get touches in the paint. Yeah, I, I think the two guys that I would add, and obviously I'm not, um, I'm not, a, I'm not a guru yet like you. Um, You're working two, on it, though. I've been working on it. The two guys I would add, um, and you tell me what you think, Marcus Howard, that might be my number one guy besides Cassius. Yeah, Marcus Howard, maybe sort of shine a bit of light. And then, and then Miles Powell. But those are easy. Those are too easy. I love, well, I love Miles Powell. What a great kid. Miles Powell is an incredible kid. I mean, he's just he, – I, I, I went and watched him practice a couple of days. Love Miles Powell. I absolutely love him. And Marcus Howard. I, I think Marcus Howard's harder to play with. 
Uh, yeah. When Marcus Howard gets going, he he has complete tunnel vision. I I agree, and that's why I love Cassius is because he gets going off of other dudes. I mean, he's oh, my he's Cassius is Cassius is the best. I mean, I had a he's front row seat to Denzel Valentine, Cassius, every Michigan State player ever giving us triple doubles and scoring forty points and stuff. Cassius is my he's my favorite player I've ever watched. One hundred percent. Yeah, he's he, he's great, and he's he, I love that kid. I, yeah. I've got I've got to know those guys really well. I love that kid. So big time guy. All right, All right, guys. Yeah, thank you very much. Somebody didn't mention Xavier Pinson from Mizzou. He's a good little <laughs> <Stop> guy. Stop it. <laughs> I went to Mizzou, so I had to throw that in there. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing a, uh, a web show on Tuesday with Coach Martin. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Coach Martin and Mike Brown. We're going to talk about uh, basketball society and uh, try to have a conversation on how we can move forward. Uh, you said so, on Wednesday? Uh, on Tuesday. Tuesday. On Tuesday. Uh, uh, what time we're doing? We're doing three o'clock Eastern time. It's on a hall pass. It's, it'll be on. Uh, it'll it'll be streamed live on I think Facebook Live. It'll also be uh, be recorded to to be used uh, on all different type of platforms. After it's going to be a really very interesting uh, conversation. Coach Martin is uh, he's a real dude. That's awesome. Really, we'll be sure, sure to check guys, that out. Yeah, make sure you check that out. And, uh, and make sure you check out Coach Greenberg calling the games for the TBT um, coming up shortly. There, there will be basketball this summer, and it all starts with the TBT. Guys, thanks so much. Be safe. Appreciate Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks again, you Coach. too. Talk to all you right. soon. All right. all right. Be well. All right. We hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Some awesome interviews. Seth Greenberg, John Elmore, completely different spectrums. Completely different sides of the spectrums when it comes to interviews, but both great. We had a lot of fun. Hope you guys did too. Yeah, I mean, Inside TBT is expanding from just players, just really good shooters, really, it seems like. Um, having Seth Greenberg obviously upped, you know, it upped our, our legitness, um, you know, showed us that we're more than capable of having some interviews where we are a little bit more serious then some other interviews, um, and it was a blast. I mean, it, it, talking to a guy that first we grew up watching as a coach and then we grew up watching him every Saturday morning on college game day, it was pretty cool to get his perspective on a lot of things. And then John Elmore, a guy who I played against and I was on scout team, has become one of our best friends now. I mean, I mean, he's that's pretty darn cool too. So Us um, two, us two, John Elmore and Fletcher McGee, we're going to have a good time if we ever all hang out. <laughs> Don't get us four in a room. Oh, boy. <laughs> Watch out wherever the TBT is. Oh, man. But no, we're excited about this moving forward. Episode four is coming to you Thursday. Real quick turnaround. We are presented by germlessmasks.com. We'll see you guys Thursday.